Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church in Chicago. My name is Pastor Joel Hess, and it's my privilege to talk about Jesus and the hope and the peace we have in Him. Uh, Please enjoy the following message, and if you like, uh, support the mission of God here in this area by going to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. Grace and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord, and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus gives us some hard words. There was a uh, pastor who uh, began a sermon like this on the same sort of subject, and he asked his congregation, who here has lots of enemies? And a number of people raised their hand, and he said, looking around, some people still didn't have their hands raised. Anybody have just like maybe a few enemies? And people raised their hands. And finally he said, is there anybody out here that has no enemies? Because he saw one guy that never raised his hand. And this old man, 92-year-old fellow, raises his hand. And the pastor looks at him, he's just astonished, like, you have no enemies? How in the world do you do that? And he said, all those SOBs are dead. (laughs) Maybe that's how you are. (laughs) We all have enemies. We might not have awful enemies, terrible enemies, but there's always the little ones, the annoying person might be in our work or school or at our homes even, you know, or people that we love can be our enemies. But we we have that. We have enemies. And Jesus says something just crazy today. Love your enemies. And he doesn't leave it up to you to figure out what love is, which is so huge. Loving is an action in the Bible. I don't care how you feel. No one cares how your heart is. Loving means to do things for others. So loving your enemies, forgiving, which again is not a, I don't care if you remember or can't forget, I'm talking about forgiving is to give people the lease that you don't hold things against them. You don't speak, you don't speak to them as if they've sinned against you. You don't act around them as if you've got a grudge with them. That's what it means. So love your enemy, forgive your enemy, pray for those who curse you. So you're positively acting toward that person. Turning the other cheek when someone hits you. That's crazy, right? And I like what Jesus says here. He says, any idiot can love their friends. That's not love. That's not Christian love. Loving someone who loves you back. Giving to someone knowing you're going to get something back. Right? Expecting something in return. That's how we understand love. Even our, sadly, very sadly, marital love, I think, is, is not really. A lot of times, it's not necessarily love. It's a, they love me back. We look for a spouse because they'll make me happy. How many people say that? Do they make you happy? We talked about that last week, by the way. I won't go there. But uh, loving is an action. And Jesus says, Christian love is loving your enemies, people who do not love you back, who actually treat you poorly. Doing the opposite to them is what Jesus gives us to do. And it seems crazy. Why? How? How are you able to do that? To forgive someone who hurt you so many times. And I'll bet all of you have someone out there that you still hold a grudge against, right? It's hard to let it go. Or to truly act kindly to people that you know can't stand you or are working against you. 
to speak well of them on Facebook, among your friends, to turn the other cheek, to forgive. You know, to get the power to do this, usually, if you were to Google it right now, the, the, the power of forgiveness, let's say, you'll, you'll almost always find some cheesy psychologist, uh, you know, in psychology today, tell you that forgiveness, we should forgive because it makes you feel good. You ever seen that? You should forgive because you need to release that from within yourself. You can't let them hold something over you. Therefore, you should forgive something, and that empowers you because it's good. Do you see what they're doing? This is the kind of forgiveness Jesus is talking about. We try to turn that around into making forgiveness something for us. I'm going to forgive because it makes me feel better. No, 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 no. Who cares how you feel? You forgive not for you. You forgive to give something to them. Forgiveness means giving someone else something, not you. Will it make you feel better? Sure, it does. It is a wonderful thing, absolutely. But that's not why we do it. And you're not going to truly forgive if that's why you're doing it, quite honestly. (laughs) If you are forgiving because it's going to make you feel better, if you're loving your enemy because somehow you're going to feel better from it, I imagine that's probably not going to be forgiveness or love. We love our enemy, we forgive only for their benefit. How can we make their lives better, even though they've hurt us? That's what Jesus has called us to do. That seems crazy, doesn't it? Counterintuitive. Seems stupid, actually, right? You love someone that you know is against you. You let them go. You don't hold stuff over them. You don't protect yourself from them. That seems pretty dumb. And yet Jesus says, let it go. How can we do this? The story of Joseph, I think, really gives us that power, shows us what, how we're able to forgive. Joseph, chapter 40, everybody know what he's talking about? It's in Genesis chapter 40 onward is the story of Joseph. Anybody seen Joseph's in the, what, the magical, technical, color, is that right? Dream code or something like that? Donnie Osmond, right? You know, I'm talking about the Joseph story. Joseph has 12, uh, there's 12 brothers, right? Israel. There's Abraham, who has Isaac, who has Jacob. These are the the sons of the promise. God promises he can do amazing things through Abraham and then through his son Isaac and then his son Israel. And then Israel has 12 sons and they are a bunch of ding-dongs. Especially the story of Joseph. So the 11 brothers are out working in the field, working for dad. And now I will say... If Joseph was my brother, I'd throw him in a pit too. I'm going to throw that out. So Joseph, Abraham, or, uh, uh, Jacob tells Joseph to go tell his brothers or give them some Kool-Aid or whatever. They're hot. They're working. So Joseph comes out, and he's wearing this beautiful, cool-looking robe that Dad just bought him, right? And it just looks awesome. And he's looking great. And he's not afraid to share how awesome it is either. And then Joseph proceeds to tell his brothers how he had these dreams. Oh, do tell. And the dreams are about how um, basically they're two different images. But the idea is you guys one day will bow down to me. Would you want to kill him at this point? Let's be honest here, right? Because jealousy does that, doesn't it? And so the brothers are extremely jealous and annoyed. I would be too. And so they devise a plan. When he comes out again, we're going to throw him in the pit. We're going to basically kill him. Throw him way down the cistern. He's going to die. 
But then, but then um, Reuben, very compassionate fellow, he says, well, let's not kill him, but let's still throw him down the cistern. Uh, then I'll go get him later on. Hopefully that'll scare the heck out of him and he's learned his lesson. Really compassionate guy, right? That's our view of love, by the way, isn't it? Well, I'm not going to kill you. I'm just going to make you feel the pain. And so they throw Joseph down there. As you know, the story goes. These uh, slave traders came by, saw this young man and said, perfect, I'm going to make some money off him. They grab Joseph, take him, sell him to uh, slave traders in Egypt. Joseph ends up in Egypt. And lo and behold, he's, uh, he's um, working for this guy. And uh, he's, a sl- he's a slave for him, but he's doing a great job. He's really helping this guy out. And so things are going really well for Joseph, and he's praising God. But then, of course, this guy's wife has a thing for Joseph. He doesn't respond, so she... This, this does not sound like a modern-day soap opera, by the way. This is Genesis. And so she devises a scheme. Basically, Joseph tried to sexually assault me, and the guy throws him in jail. So Joseph's back down here. All the while, Joseph trusted and prayed to who? To God. Bad things happened to him, and yet God came through and delivered him. And now, uh, this Pharaoh has dreams, and he's, they're just really bugging him, keeping up at night. And uh, in some way or the other, you can read the story, chapter 40 through 50 in, in uh, Genesis. Um, Joseph ends up telling the Pharaoh that there's going to be a famine coming. Gather, right now, there's going to be a great harvest for a number of years. And then after that, a famine. So now, collect all the food, etc., and put it in great silos and bins so you can keep it. So when that famine comes, you will be ready. And the Pharaoh listens, and the Pharaoh puts puts Joseph in charge of everything and they do collect all this food and the famine comes and God through this terrible thing that happened to Joseph this evil deed the worst thing he could do to your brother try to kill him ends up being the best thing possible that could happen to Egypt and guess who else is starving Joseph's brothers and they hear that there's food in Egypt and so they go to get that food. Joseph knows it's them, but he's all dressed up like an Egyptian. There's a song, Dance Like an Egyptian. Was that Bengals, right? Is that right? Okay. I'm getting old. So Joseph hit himself a couple times, and then finally, chapter 45 of Genesis, if you want to read along, verse 1. We missed part of it in today's reading, uh, and it's a really important part. Joseph could no longer control himself before all those who stood by him. So he's a major figure. He's very important. He's got a large staff, but he could no longer control himself. His brothers had come again to get more food, okay? And he decides that he's going to now reveal himself to them, right? First of all, what would you do if you were Joseph? And these guys who wished you were dead, treated like you were dead, were now back to eat from your hand. You have power over them. Maybe we wouldn't kill them. Maybe we wouldn't be jerks, but maybe we would kind of like make sure they understand how you are on top of the situation. You know what I'm saying? We slip in a word here, a dig here, right? So here we are. Joseph, instead, he tells his whole staff to leave. He says, send everyone away from me. 
So everybody's gone. His brothers were right outside. And I love how Moses says this. He wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard it. And the household of Pharaoh heard it. I love how it puts that in there because imagine, imagine coming back, having to see your brothers again after many years, after what they had done to you, the hell that you went through to get here. That'd make you cry. And now they're back. And imagine this, you know, you haven't seen your family for years. I wonder if all these years Joseph had been trusting in the Lord and put all these emotions aside, right? Just to survive. And now here he is at the end of this journey, if you will. And it's just all coming down, right? So he's just crying about all the wrong. I mean, who knows what exactly it is. But I can only imagine the tears just coming out as he sees his brothers for the first time. And then he looks at him, verse 3. He brings him in and he says, I'm Joseph. Is my father still alive? But his brothers could not answer him. So dismayed were they at his presence. <laughs> what would you be doing? You're standing before the kid that you wanted to kill. You hadn't seen him for years. Maybe you assumed he was dead. He's going to have it in for you. Freaked out is what they were. There's no way this is going to work out well for us. And Joseph said to his brothers, this is awesome, verse 4, come closer to me. Now again, maybe they're thinking, oh, here it goes. <laughs> but this is what forgiveness is. It's not just words. I don't care about your feelings. It is an action and it brings them in. He's bringing these enemies in. Come closer to me. This is God language too, to enemies, to sinners, to you and me. Come closer to me. And they came closer and he says, I am your brother Joseph whom you sold into Egypt. And now don't be distressed, right? What do the angels always say in the New Testament? Do not fear or angry with yourselves even because you sold me here for God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years and there are five more years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. God sent me before you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. Hurry, go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has, sent, has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. You shall settle in the land of Goshen. You shall be near me, you and your children, your children's children, as well as your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will provide for you there. And he kissed all his brothers. He wept upon them. And after, his brothers, after that, his brothers talked to them. They started talking. Forgiveness, loving your enemy, here we are. Joseph does it. And he gives his brothers a whole new lease on life. Literally, he gives them food, but he brings them, he restores the whole family. He brings them back to him, and they're talking. And that which happened way back when is forgotten and not acted upon. And there's a new family. 
Why was Joseph able to do this? It's not because he's some just awesome nerd. It's because he was the recipient time and time and time of God's grace in his life. God had taken care of him time and time again. He is able to forgive, forget, move on, give, love his enemies, feed them when they're in need. Turn the other cheek. He's not going to strike him back, make him pay, put him on probation. He immediately and completely forgives and loves him. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are able to forgive, love, give to our enemies, turn the other cheek. Because we are those brothers in the story and Jesus is Joseph. We've been loved in a way that you will never love anybody else. We are the enemies of God. Jesus is that hero. And instead of striking back against us, I mean, we put everything against him. Christ went to the cross because we put him there. Our insults, our words, let alone our sins in general, put him on the cross. And that's why I call this God's gospel jiu-jitsu because God somehow divinely can take the worst that we can do, just like martial arts when you throw energy at someone. Martial arts uses that energy and uses it against the other person. But in this sense, God takes our worst thing that we could do and he turns it into the best thing that could ever happen to you. Like Joseph says about the, uh, about the famine, about being thrown into slavery. I mean, if Joseph had not been thrown into slavery, they would not have food. It's insane. It absolutely boggles the mind. How much more so in Jesus Christ, if he had not been killed by you and me, by those Roman soldiers, by those chief priests and Pharisees, the worst thing you could do to God is to kill him. And they did, and it became the best thing that ever happened to them. Wrap your mind around that. And knowing that, we can forgive. You, you want the power to forgive? Don't think about how it's going to make you feel better. Wake up in the morning and look in the mirror. God forgives you. You live like that. That's why it's great to confess sins. And it's, it's fine to focus and look at the things you've done wrong. Don't ignore them. Why? Because we get to give them to Jesus and see him forget him. And see him just washed away. And hear the words, I forgive you. How beautiful that is and empowering because that allows us to forgive others because we don't need to be afraid. You see, to love others in general, let alone our enemies, is a risky business. It's dangerous because you might get hurt. Getting married is a risky business. <laughs> to put yourself out like that, to say I do forever, it's risky. And in general, that's what we do in our life for our enemies, for those that we like and those we don't like. We take care of them. We feed them. We don't hold things against them. We are able to love like that because we are loved like that in Jesus. And therefore, we can take risks because we know that no matter what happens at the end of the day, this person might hurt us again and again and again and again. And we can keep on forgiving and loving because in the end, 
we're going to be fine because Christ has died for us and he's risen and we will rise too. So there's nothing an enemy can do that will ultimately hurt us. So therefore we can love them because we don't need to hold on to things. We don't need to. We don't need to protect ourselves because God has our back. And we're motivated in our hearts to love because we've been loved. Holy cow. When you get to heaven, you might bring up all these. I I can see people doing this, you know. Lord, do you remember this? Do you remember that? I can't believe you forgave me for that. He will literally not know what the heck you're talking about. Christ holds nothing against us. It's forgotten. Every day. Every second. And because of that, we can do the same. We don't need to hold things against people. We can give. We can turn the other cheek. And maybe as we go out into our community and our neighborhoods and our friends, and guess what? We might not have crazy arch enemies like Superman does. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a terrible enemy that just wants your job. That happens for sure. But I think we have like little enemies that annoy us, people that we're impatient with. You know what I'm saying? May the power of Christ's forgiveness and love for you empower you to love them. And through that love and those actions and those words, may they come to know how they are loved in God provided for and it will be okay for them too one day in jesus name amen